Collective. We are live. We are live. And I want to make sure the sound is coming through clearly. So at your earliest convenience, if you can, family, just let me know if the sound is coming through good. Willie C. Holman Jr., welcome. Kersey, we have to have that talk. Welcome. Sheila Hendricks, welcome home. The colorful comments. I love it. Sister Oyala, glad you're here. There are a whole lot more here that are just going to chill and just listen. And before we have any misunderstanding about what I mean by toxic black masculinity, there are circumstances that bring us into that, that are engineered. So I'm not going to sit here like an unknowing nerd and just blame black men who are my brothers for the state that they're in. At the same time, I'm not going to let them off the hook too. I take each set of circumstances on an individual basis. Sharon Truitt, welcome home, sweetheart. Thanks for being here. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really tough topic to think about and speak about. Yeah, I can just go out there and just, just say black men of this and black men of that. No, I'm not going to do that. But I have to say something. I have to give credit to all of my black brothers who are responsible, who are taking care of their families and their children who are seeking to increase their knowledge base to be better for their community that even actually have a sense of community. First and foremost, I have to say that there are many, many black men in America and across the globe that are doing the right thing. And I have to say, from what I'm hearing statistically, that we are not all bad the way the media paints. Nubian Queen Shell, welcome on in. I'm glad to see you here tonight. But we have to think about a lot of things, and it's become a very complex situation because this is not something that just came out of nowhere. This has been cooking up for many decades from the time or around the time that I was born in 1963, where we had the majority of the black families married. And if they weren't married, the majority of those who may have been in a common law situation, they were responsible. That is just something you did not do to not take care of your children. But there are many factors that came around. You know, we had the feminist movement. We had the whole welfare thing, social workers encouraging black men not to be there. We had the media brainwashing that eventually happened. They didn't like the fact that we had songs that spoke about us loving each other, all the songs back in the day, back in the 60s and early 70s, it was all about love. 
even most of the 70s. Even though there were people singing more about broken hearts, but it was still about love. Sister Gifty in the house. President, I see you. I see you. I see you. Oh, man. We got some energy here in this chat room tonight, and I know there's more coming. But now I can truthfully say that I'm living in a world now that I don't recognize from what it was supposed to be. Yes, Sister Oyala, social workers, yeah. Going in the closets, looking for the man's clothes or shoes under the bed, all of that stuff. It's all by design. So this is not me as a black man who have felt the same things out in the world as many of our as, as many of our brothers have felt the same things and made bad decisions. That could have been me. Brenda, I would like to speak with you tomorrow, Brenda. I'm glad to see you here. I'm going to try to go deep on this one because I have a lot of mixed feelings. And plus, remember, I am a black man, so I'm like a dartboard and so much is aiming at me and depending on me to act a certain way like they want me to, but I don't. And we'll get into that. But we know that this is by design. But now the momentum of the runaway train going down the hill, it's getting harder and harder to stop. Professor Black Vaccine and Reese, welcome on in. I'm just speaking from the hip and from the heart. I don't claim to know everything and don't want to debate on anything. I'm just speaking as a person who has experienced the passage of time and the erosion of our community into neighborhoods and into hoods. Not in every case, but we're worse off than ever before. And I think we'll all agree on that. And it's not looking good. Again, I salute my brothers who are doing the right thing, who there are many more than what the media paints. This is what I don't like. But we're not going to focus on our good brothers tonight. Not that I don't want to. We're going to have a show on the good brothers. And kudos to the sisters that are with the good brothers. We'll never forget you in this. But we're going in with surgical precision, like I like to do. You know I'm an artist, and you know I like to go into detail. If I'm somewhere on the left side of my sketch pad, which I don't call it that. I don't sketch. I'm very detailed with the ink. I'm not worried about what's on the, on the right side until I get there. So that's how my mind thinks. I like to go in deep. And so many people say, well, you talked about left last night. Why didn't you talk about right? I wasn't focused on right. I was focused on left, top or bottom. This is how my mind works. It's very compartmentalized. But when it's all done and I cover all the compartments, I can pull away and talk about the big picture. That's how I do. But for those who were raised in certain situations, my heart goes out to them. For those who were raised without a male figure to help guide them, and they allowed the media to push them along and influence them. They allowed the neglect in the school system, which it's not their responsibility to raise them, but to educate them hopefully with something they can move away with. And we know that 
It's indoctrination. We know that. But just pushing them along, no child left behind. Let's push them along. They're, they're just a paycheck. They're just going to be workers at best, if not killers. We don't care. It's really terrible when you have to go to school even now to speak for the teachers and they're scared of gunplay. It's scary to go to school and have to watch your back. Even if you're not involved in something bad, you can catch a stray bullet. You see, we have these things called projects. And that's what it is. It's a project, an experiment. But it's not an experiment no more because they damn sure know well the results. But it's the mentality of that. Because I've known so many people that lived in projects that did not have a project mentality. And for those who live in the projects, don't get on me. You know exactly what I'm talking about. This shoe doesn't fit. Don't, don't get on me. We know how we talk with each other. We know what the deal is. Thank you, Brenda. I have it. It just came in. I'm on it tonight. <laughs> but it hurts me. I remember growing up and my dear friends who we know well, Jack Griffin, Kevin Clark, and a few others that you don't know that exactly gifty. You understand the projects, but that did not stop you from ascending into your present form. And I understand that with Project Life, may I say it, back in the day, there was a sweetness to it. Now, everything sweet may not be good for you, but I had many friends and girlfriends that I hung out in the projects with and we had some wholesome, loving times. And it's almost like, it's almost like gang culture when you have this bonding with others where others won't accept you. You see, look at Jonathan Blackley. Let's read this. Facts I see in entertainment, music, sports, and a man does try. He does get disrespected or injured. This is done by design. Guys, we have to do better but we are far too gone or too far gone. Yes, I applaud you, Jonathan. You're right. <clears throat> and what irks me are the older ones who know better, who just think it's easier to fall into this particular type of mindset. And I don't know exactly what they call this toxic black masculinity. I know that <clears throat> they tried to coin it a certain way. Maybe my definition might be a little different. And for me, and in the context of this show tonight, it means a black man who doesn't know his purpose. He doesn't know his mission. He's soaking in everything that is put out about him as though it is gospel and something to live down to. I'm not going to say live up to. Let me adjust myself here. I want to get a little closer to my desk. I got the 
mic that's on the floor stand. And because of the dust, I keep Ziploc bags on top of my mics. But let me put this other mic on my table. I kind of want to hug the table and get closer to the chat room. So you're going to hear some noise, some static. That's me switching my mic. That's just going to take five seconds. Give me. Okay. Now let me move this one out of the way. And cover it up. Even a little bit of dust will destroy your electronics really fast. So you have to keep them covered. But anyway, that's a different topic. So we don't know our mission. We don't care to know our mission. Toxic black masculinity also is just a totally hedonistic mentality. One that shuns responsibility, but only seeks out pleasure. You expect the woman to earn and work. And you don't feel you have to do anything. Now I'm making extreme examples. But with some, we can water it down a little bit, but it's still there. They may not be 100% in every category. I'm just throwing this out like different brush strokes to paint a picture. There you go, Gifty. The show's over. That's it right there. It's when they use their masculinity as a weapon instead of protection of the community. That's right. See, on a world scale, we don't have an army. We don't have tanks. We don't have missiles. We don't have bombs. But you would think in our communities that we had all of those things dropping on us. The world is afraid of us in our proper form. So there are many things that must be done to our minds and our bodies and our souls to keep us toxic. And many of our sisters, not all, I can't give you a number. I won't even say the majority. But there are too many of our sisters who have suffered at the hands of those who are not in their proper place and will turn around and blame them publicly on the media and in social media. And this whole thing spirals out of control. Others get involved. They have their viewpoints. They have their personal opinions. And we're so busy fighting each other as opposed to building our community, as opposed to not hating on each other, which is what I want to speak about. When many of us get out of prison, we're celebrated. When many of us get out of college, which I'm not saying you have to have a college education. We know how that goes. We know that you can end up in debt. We know that you can come out and not get a job and you're groomed pretty much to not be a thinker, but to be a worker, to fit into somebody else's system that doesn't like you. We understand that part. I'm just saying this in broad strokes because you can go for a trade. You can start a business from scratch something that you inherited from your family and you keep it going, doing something good. That's what I mean. You're not celebrated generally, maybe amongst your family. Maybe one of these brothers who I'm assuming has that mentality. I don't know these brothers personally. This is a picture I snatched off of Google. So if any of these brothers see themselves under this title, 
understand I don't know you and I'm not speaking on you personally. It's an image that many will take. You could be black men suited down. And some of us out here will still have fear in their heart. Because if I saw you, there wouldn't be any fear because you're my brothers. We're going to have a good time. You can, you can pull off the facade. You, you don't have to feel the things around me that you feel around other uppity Negroes that come around and try to put you down. But I will tell you exactly how I feel and what needs to be done. I'll keep it real with you and still love you at the same time. But I will not love your toxicity because that is not you. That is not the epitome of, of who you're supposed to be. Now, we have this term that we use called haters. I don't know exactly when it got so popular, but it was almost like something of a vibration that as we use that word, it manifested even more in our community. That's the first thing we expected. Back in the 60s, the first thing we expected was love. Back in the 70s, the first thing we expected was love. It didn't matter if you... Oh, we didn't know you when we were having our cookout. If you were hungry, go on and get a plate and take another one home for your family. It didn't matter if you came to the house to our barbecue and you acted decent and you wanted to use the restroom. Go on inside the house. Grandma's sitting there. She'll show you where the restroom is. You ain't going to do nothing to grandma. Because you know, <laughs> you know. Love was the first expectation that we had back in those days. And those are the days that I grew up in. So me being part of this community as a person who's getting a little older with each passing year, I feel I have the right to speak on it. Many of us become, when we get to a certain age, Venetian blind players. We go to the window and watch everything going on on the outside and we feel we don't have anything to do with it. But yes, we do. That's our offspring. Whether it came from your loins or not, your influence is needed because the influence of the enemy is ever present through the TV set, through the cell phone, smartphone, which is not smart. It's dumb. It's smart if you use it in a smart way. In this hijacked culture that we think is ours, but it's not. It's a toxic culture. Maybe I can't pinpoint the first year, but I'll say around 1989, late 88, early 89. Around the time when NWA came out. They had to overshadow public enemy. They had to overshadow the original hip hop where people had their pads and their pencils and they made rhymes and they were independent back in the day. And the few who got contracts and got the notoriety with the big companies. Okay, that's cool. But we still had our hand on it. Now it was snatched from us. The corporate entities came in to engineer what it was that we soaked in. You had the gangster rap which may have been too harsh for others. But then we had the sexism and the materialism. And, you know, we already know that our women are beautiful. But dear Lord, we had to see that much. And the funny thing is, when I look back on the 90s, 
wasn't much at all they were showing compared to what we see on these videos now. Who would have thought that we can go on a computer and think up a scenario and find it in a porn flick? All of these things add up against us. Brothers, you're here to protect your sisters. You can like them. You can have a crush on them. But do not disrespect them. Even if they don't like you. Even if they dish you a little bit, they'll come around. As they mature. They may be going through something. Not only did anybody put their hands on you, but you don't have to beat a woman. You can hold her down. You got that man strength, man. You still are there. That's your divine position to be a warrior and a soldier in your community. You should have so much pride that if you're sitting there on your front steps in the projects and you see trash littered across the place, you ain't got nothing to do. Get you a broom. Get you a garbage can. Sweep it up. Hey, brother, come over here and help me, man. I got another broom. That mentality will spread. You know of an old grandmother, somebody's grandmother, great-grandmother up in one of them projects? Check on her every day. Ask her what she needs. You have a car? She may not want to come with you. But if you have a few older women who live there, and they don't get around, say, hey, I'm not doing anything early Saturday. Let me take a bunch of you all to the supermarket. If this Saturday is good and you have your money together, let me know. Or the next Saturday, there's things we can do with our man energy as opposed to being toxic. Walking around with guns. If you happen to have a piece, keep it inside. Use it on those enemies who want to come around and kill us who don't look like us, but never, ever should you take the life of a potential empire. What do I mean by that? You kill off a black man, you kill off an empire because he can have four children. Let's just make up the number four. He can have 10. And those four children have four children. That's 16 grandchildren and so on and so forth coming through that one set of loins. But we don't think in the future. We, 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 we think in the present. And because we feel less than in this society that's artificial, we got a chip on our shoulder. You see the next brother with a nice car who you know got it legit. And here you are without a way to make money or the way you're making money may not be productive to the lives of your community. And you're envious of that man. And you find a way to get into an altercation with him. And eventually he's laying on the concrete with blood flowing out of him because of your insecurity and your envy. Like I always say, Envy is the flip side of motivation. As far apart as they seem, they're different sides of the same coin. This is what my father taught me. And I walk with this. 
This is why I don't know how to be envious of anybody. It's a destructive force. It's toxic. For those fraudulent revolutionaries out there that talk the talk, but are envious of their brother. Because you're not trying to be a revolutionary for the right reasons. You're only doing it for damn attention. But the day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out, it's only a performance for you. You don't like that because it shows you up. You want the spoils of it. You want the attention from the women because there are a lot of women out here who don't have a man. And when you speak strong, it makes their cerebral vaginas moist. Even if they're not thinking of anything like that, some will, some won't, but they gravitate towards you. And all you have in your mind is to take advantage of them in a sly way, using the natural progression of things. When a woman has a feeling for a man, it takes a lot of responsibility to be in that place. And you don't give a damn about it. You just want to get between them thighs and do what you do behind closed doors. But it's a responsibility. And for all you young and old brothers, y'all ain't did no more than me out in this world. I never did the drugs. I never did the crime, but I'm talking about all them other things. And I've learned. I've learned. And I've been preserved. And I'm going to tell you, it's just as rewarding, if not more rewarding, to love a woman without sex if she's not yours. All of my sisters here in this chat room, I love them, I love them, I love them with all my heart. Mrs. Skurve knows it because I call all your names every day. She walks past going to the kitchen and she hears me talking. I love you all. And I can love you all and see what you do as a toxic black man who doesn't have himself straight and I'm not saying this in an accusatory manner. But you have to flip your engine a certain way and tune it back up again. To be a servant. And a protector. And one who they run to when they need help because they know that you love and protect them. You are a father. Even to your sisters because you possess that fatherly, masculine, strong energy. Why is it that our sisters sometimes and oftentimes and sometimes all the time when they're walking down the street late at night and they see one of us walking behind them, they either cross the street or have to speed up a little bit or act like they're pulling out keys to a door that don't belong them to them so, they, so that she can make you think she's going inside. This overall smog, pollution on a spiritual level, the stronghold that's over our communities, we need to get rid of. And that's our job to do that because we know our sisters are strong. But when we are right, and I don't mean trying to win an argument right over them. I'm talking about when we are right with ourselves and we move in unison 
our sisters will break down and say, finally, finally, this is the way it's supposed to be. You don't have to argue with them when they're off for those who are off. Once you do what you have to do as a real man, they're going to check you out to see if you're a fraud. But after a while, when they realize who you are and what your righteous attributes are that you behold every day from within, you can be dressed any kind of way and they'll know your heart. You see, we have men who wear suits and ties and work in corporate America who can be just as toxic in our community. So don't think that just the brothers who may be in the hood and sagging a little bit and, you know, looking like they're packing something, they're going to do something. Sometimes and oftentimes we have some righteous brothers who may have that look. Kudos to you who may dress like the neighborhood that you're in, but you don't have that in your heart. There are a lot of brothers I know, especially from where I grew up in New York City, who are beautiful brothers. And I don't mean that in a feminine way, but they're beautiful in their spirit and beautiful in their heart and see toxic black masculinity cannot have the full range of energies because you have some people out here who believe you just have to run around here macho. It don't get no more than me, macho. And I'll cry. I'm gentle. I'm loving. I'm soothing. You can sleep deep around me. I'm going to tuck you in and protect you. Check on you. Make you sleep deep and wake up refreshed. I know, and I'm saying this in a general sense. I'm not trying to be low-key, trying to seduce nobody. The Mrs. Scurve is back there. But I know how to love a woman. And I'm not talking about acrobatics swinging from the ceilings. I'm getting a little long in the tooth, and that ain't happening as much as it used to. But heart to heart, making you feel a certain way, and having a bit of that energy that's on the other side of the spectrum that doesn't exude all of this testosterone. Oh, baby, believe it. I got the testosterone. I could be fierce. I can be a lion. I could be a monster to my enemy. But we have to be full range. We can't be afraid to go to our sister and say, sweetheart, there's something on my mind and I need to talk to you. Your woman is your comfort. She's not just there for pleasure. Oh, dear Lord, yes, the pleasure is there. But that's small in comparison. When it comes to keeping you strong, some of you will say, I don't need no goddamn woman to keep me strong. I'm strong as a man already. Well, look at the oak tree and look at the palm tree. And the oak tree is the strongest one out there. And see, oak trees don't kind of live in a place where they have hurricanes. They, oak trees are smart. Because if it did, as strong as it is, it would snap from the pressure of a hurricane. And the palm tree will sit there year after year, hurricane after hurricane, and lean and adapt. 
And this is one thing we forgot. We go in one gear. We have to be this way and, and that way. And the next bull that's over there, I got to challenge him or put him down. We don't encourage our brothers. Brothers encouraging brothers. I'm not focusing on what the sisters may not may or may not be doing. And kudos to all the good ones. But we don't look at each other in love. Heterosexually, I'm talking. Not any of that other stuff that don't belong in our community. Sorry. Give me a thumbs down or X out of here. For all the pressure that we have pushing us in, we are strong enough to push out from within and walk tall and walk strong and keep our communities as we should. But in a toxic mindset, we pull away and we devalue where we live. We devalue our women, our sisters. We devalue the property. We devalue ourselves. We're eating up on ourselves, crawling over each other like maggots, acidic maggots that the acid that comes out of us eats away. We used to see each other in the street, look each other in the eye. Good afternoon, brother. How are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm looking for the barbershop. I'm not from here. You know a good barbershop? Hey, man, let me tell you, I'm going in that direction. Come on, let's go. That's what I'm used to. These days? Hey, fuck out of here, man. I don't know no goddamn... You, you see what I mean? So there's something that we must do as men. Forget about complaining about anything else. We must act now. We must pull ourselves out of the hole now. The amount of jealousy that I see from one black man to another, even those who are accomplished, the amount of jealousy that I have received in America and received out here in the motherland from those who are supposed to be on my side. Unbelievable. You can walk with somebody and, and have a feeling that I'll give my life for this person because of what they stand for. And come to find out that they're not worth the toilet tissue that you wipe your ass with. So we've got to vet the people around us, but we still have to show love to those who are worthy of it. No more wasting time for the low vibrational people who want to stay there. You want to stay there in that mindset? I might live near you, but you on a whole different planet from me. I'm trying to shake this stuff and go higher and vibrate higher. You all don't think that you're going to reach the point of what they call death? Or transition. The spirit that you have inside of you when you're toxic, you're going to die. And that's it forever. Nature. Or whatever you want to call it. Most high God, the creator, the universe, whatever you want to call it, is not going to recycle 
waste. Do you go to the toilet to doo-doo and catch your shit with a plate and put it on the table and shake salt on it and season it and tell I'm going to eat dinner? No, that's gone. The only role it can play is being fertilized at the bottom of a plant to give it a little more nitrogen and minerals as waste. Now it's not waste. But you're not going to come back or ascend. When you waste, your body separates the nutrition from what must go. And on this level of existence, this short span of time, on this little piece of dust called earth, it's a separation, it's a test, it's to find out where your placement is gonna be. See? It's a placement exam. This ain't it. This is too quick. The universe has been around for a long, more than we can comprehend. And it's going to be around so much longer. Where are you going? You have a role. You have a role as a filter. You have a role as a cleanser. You have a role as a teacher. You have a role as a motivator. You have a role as one who has to amplify their light to shine it out to the world, to lead others to the good place. But what do we do? We sit there and look at somebody because of their worldly possessions, even if it's small, and we burn and we look at them. And when we get around them, we want to say things to put them down, say things to make them feel bad. Because you feel bad about your situation. And you know that person you're trying to tear down has got so much light that you can't even affect them in any kind of way except to be pushed away forevermore. You have a right that after being good to the world around you, if there are some who want to attack you, you banish them from your world because you got a job to do. This is no joke. This is no game. So you, who may have that toxic black masculinity mindset, and you don't want the cure of that pandemic. That's the real pandemic. That's the real pandemic that killed off more people, more black people than that thing they talking about. Don't want to say the wrong words because they'll ban me. They don't already, they already don't like what I'm saying. That's you check out the hits on, on, on the videos. Look, if I get a hundred hits out of this one, I'm good. But I'm not stopping. I don't care about hits. If I was speaking with these brothers, not that I know any more about more than them, they might come and tell me something and I'll accept it. So I'm not walking around self-righteous, but whatever I have inside of my bag of tricks, <laughs> I'm going to give it out. That's what we have to do. Because we've all walked a unique path and there's value in the path that we've walked and maybe the next person's path, they didn't have the experiences that you had. So you can add on a little, even if it's not a lot. They can be well-educated and learn something from you. There was an 
older woman. I always talk about her. Yes, she was a Christian pastor. Yes, she was. She was old, 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 old school. Let me tell you something. She just wasn't. See, we got used to these people. And I'm not exalting this religion over anybody. And no, I'm talking about you had some real ones back in the day. And I remember as a young teenager in the 70s, Sister Foster is what they called her. She was not educated by worldly standards. But I can tell you, if there is a good place to go to after leaving here, which I know this, she's there. Not because of the Bible she read or, or the fact that she was a pastor over a tiny storefront church on Van Wick Expressway between 107th and 109th Avenue. But that woman was connected to something. See, right now, I don't care what road you take to get there. I don't care if you take the Christian road and you, you, that falls off of you after a while. But that's how you started. I don't care if you was in Islam and, and, and that fell off of you. Because these things are supposed to quicken you and strengthen you spiritually and then it falls off of you. You break your leg, you walk with the crutch. When your legs heal, you don't even know what a crutch is. Somewhere behind the door leaning up, oh, I think I got you need it. Your legs are strong now. You don't need it. So in our spiritual infancy, depending on where we were born, things will be there that are pushed on us in a way where we had no choice but to accept it. But after a while, you go on from that. Sister Forster was the real deal. She didn't even take the time to fix all the teeth in her mouth. But when that woman got near you, you felt love, real divine love. She wasn't trying to make up all these words and impress you. I remember sitting in a church one day or her church one day. I wasn't going all the time after a while after I discovered girls. But there's a couple girls there that I liked. And I was sitting behind my mother. And Sister Forster walked up to her. During the service, she stopped talking, saying what she was saying, and walked up to my mother and whispered into her ear. She said, Sister Skirvin, you need to look into this side of your body. Because... There's an issue going on there. That's what was told to me. Please, this week. And when she went in for her checkup, she found out that she had breast cancer. See, we don't know where the truth is going to come from. I might be walking down the street tomorrow and the creator uses an old faggot to come and tell me something that is going to be something that changes my life. I can't look at the covering anymore. I'm not going to really gravitate toward that. I have to process everything that comes my way because this world is so full of deception. And even when people have their own issues, it doesn't mean they can't tell you a truth that is coming from a divine place, even when they don't realize it. 
I told you before, I took this family to Atlantic City on a tour from New York City. They paid me for the week and they paid for the room for two nights, Friday night, Saturday night. They just wanted to be able to hop in a, a van and go wherever they wanted to go. What happens in Atlantic City stays in Atlantic City. I was a little worldly, but they took care of me well. So on the way back, it wasn't the same exact entrance area that when we got off of the highway was somewhere far away and very difficult to get to. So we asked several people in that same neighborhood. We thought that they might know. And it led us off further away from where we were supposed to go. And finally, it was so dark now. Because, you know, we were going to get up out of there a little earlier Sunday, not early because Saturday night we were late up, but it was about three or four o'clock, but it got dark. And so my last choice was to slow down. And there was an old white man sitting on the curb in his urine, drunk, talking to himself. Everybody in the van was like, oh, man, you wasting your time. Don't ask that old white man. He don't know. He, he can't even stand up. He don't even know where he is. Let me just ask him. I said, excuse me, sir. Could you tell me how to get back on the highway to get back to New York City? Oh, that's easy. I've seen you've been driving around a little bit and nobody knows, right? <laughs> People in the back, man, tell that man to cut the bullshit and tell us where we got to go. Because I know we don't know anyway. I was like, well, listen, I guess we've exhausted our chances and we're going to have to listen to you. Oh, young man, this is where you go. You go up straight. <laughs> straight. You're going to see a white fence with a big white stone. It's a church over there. You don't turn left after the two. You turn right. And you take that bitch as far as you can go until the street tees off. Then you make a left. And another hard left. And if you don't run into the highway, there's something wrong with you. Good luck. I won't see you again because I just gave you the directions. I lived here all my life. You spare a dollar. I gave him five. Maybe he was wrong. But that old drunk white man in his urine who went back into his alcoholic stupor even before I took my foot off the brake. He started talking to himself again. And they're like, yo, man, you just wasted $5. I said, hey, let's see. Let's, let's, let's see. So we drove and saw the big rock with the white fence. And instead of turning left, we turned right. We drove down about three miles, which seemed to take, a, take us off of the way. And it was kind of diagonal until we hit the end. And then I hit a hard left. And another heart left, and there was a little sign as an entrance to get onto the highway. Ain't that something? So you just don't know. And so as black men, with all of this toxicity that needs to be cleansed, and it's not going to be pleasant when you face yourself, it's going to stink when you face yourself. Some people use herbs. Some people who are not knowledgeable use x lax But either way, when it hits you and it comes out when you clean your stomach, 
stinks. So imagine compounded toxicities, things that you envy in others. You can't get into, I'm not saying you can't, but when you're in this state, it gets worse. You can't see a woman as a woman. You can't see her full beauty. Nothing to do with the physical. You see the physical, but when you're pure, you see her sanctity, even when she's out in the street selling her body. You see past that to what she, she, she is to become, if she becomes that. She may not be. She may not ascend, but she wasn't born that way. And you ought to see that part. Now here you are, you see this woman hanging out of her clothes, and you're toxic. And she's toxic. And you negotiate a price. She hops in the car, you drive down a dark street under a tree. You look around, make sure nobody's around, and you let her do what she do. And you are abusing yourselves. Because what are you thinking? What are you getting out of that? And what is she getting out of that? Yeah, she's getting money. But that's a cheap manifestation of life force. So here you are on a reduced level, shaming yourselves for what? For the cheap money that we do need in the system. But you don't have to degrade yourself to get it as you are on your way out of it, which is the ultimate goal to not need it. And you yearn for love, but you give up on it. You yearn for stability and you give up on it. But deep down below all of that, under the murky depths of toxicity that's covering you, you want to be a man. You want to be loved. You want to be honored and respected. You want people to look up to you. You have to look at no damn Superman and Batman and all these superheroes that, 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 are, that are manifested because they're copying you anyway. But that's the trick to make our little kids go to the movie theater and look up to that thing that is fake and look at you like you're nothing. And after a while, many of you give up on that. When if you rejected the things that are bringing you back down into that of the spirit, you'd find yourself cleansed, but it's going to stink. It's going to stink. It's got to come out of you. Toxic black masculinity. If you told me 40 years ago when I was 20, I wasn't a dummy when I was 20 now. I just kind of Love womanhood in a way maybe that I, you know, well, we know. But I wasn't a dummy. And if you ask me how I felt about that term, black masculinity and toxic should not be mentioned in the same sentence. But that's what they want us to think even more. And we 
dumbed down to that. But black masculinity, which we know is not acceptable in this society of our oppressors, it's run by the oppressors, and just to be lewd and say it, black dick possession is against the law. But we're more than dicks. Even though some of you think that's all you are. And I've said it before and I'll continue to say it. So if you're missed it on one, you'll get it on another. That's the only thing we have. Most of us, a lot of us, don't know the numbers. But when all else fails, baby, I got that good dick. I got that good dick that'll make you climb the walls. I got that good dick that'll make you spew out Bible scriptures that you haven't said since five years old in Bible school. The world may think I'm a thug, but I got that good dick. What good is a good dick when the head on your head on top can't aim it right? You're sticking in any old hole. And the sad part about it, you want to be a man so bad, but when you get locked up and some of you, when you're not locked up, you sticking it in the next man. I don't know if you know about these uh, terms from back in the day, because, you know, all over the country, we have different types of terms. Banshee boys. Back in the day, that's what they called them. Homo thugs. Very hyper-masculine acting dudes who don't want nothing to do with a woman. So you know you are spiritually and emotionally constipated when you don't want a woman. We feel the sparks. Yes, we do. Yes, that, that spark thing never stops. Let's be real about this. You can be committed to your wife, dedicated and not doing nothing and see this beautiful woman and a spark goes off. Damn, that's a good looking woman. Man, she's nice looking. So you have to take that spark and direct it in a righteous way or you can let it be to the point where you're singing a song. Come on, baby, light my fire. <laughs> Come on, baby, light my fire. Isn't that something? I got a telegram message today from somebody who I never talked to before. And she's here in Ghana. She's here in my neighborhood. And it wasn't anything improper. She started a conversation. I was neutral. I continued it. If I jumped all over her and tried to insult her and say, listen, you ain't playing me or whatever. But she had been listening to the shows for a while. And she had just lost her mother two weeks ago. And she told me that she read an article that I wrote like 15 years ago about transitioning. And she knew I was in the area, but she had to reach out to me. And we had the most wonderful conversation. And I encouraged her. And possibly she might come on the show or get on the camera or whatever have you. But see, this is how we have to be. Why are we running, male and female, to these white shrinks who don't give a damn about us, who can give us nothing 
of a spiritual or emotional boost because they are soulless and they have no connection to the divine except to read a few things from a book to say what our condition is. And we got to write the check on the way out. We have all of the ingredients to heal each other. We're self-healing if we let ourselves move in the right direction. But as long as we have fed this trash in our mind, look, I love a good beat. I'll be here working and take a break and get up and start dancing. Miss Skirt busted me the other day. I had nothing on but a t-shirt, nothing on from the waist down, dancing, everything flopping around. Didn't know. Turned around. I was like, <gasps> she said, I know you could dance like that. And she's my wife. I didn't have to feel embarrassed. But the shock of her being there when I was, I was getting down, y'all. <laughs> I grabbed something to cover my balls, <laughs> even though she knows what they look like. <laughs> we should be the healing force for each other. The manhood, Riri, let me see what she said. Looking for their manhood by having as many kids as they can. Yes, then called himself a man, but really takes care of any of them. If not with the mom. You're so right. That's not manhood. That's malehood. We all come to this earth as males. But can we be men? The process is not over once we come into the world with a penis. Just like a police officer can be granted a gun. But it doesn't mean that he has a necessary training to handle that gun. See, when I went into corrections, the only dealings I had with a gun was one of my friend's illegal guns that he let me hold in the backyard and I pointed it to the ground and shot it. Pow! I said, ooh, ooh, I didn't like guns, really. And when I came and got the training as a beginner and followed everything to a T, I got the highest shooter award out of other military and law enforcement guys that were coming from different states. And they were mad. Because the jokes were, you're from New York City. I know you shot guns before. You probably held up a liquor store. You probably held pe Oh, I ragged them. Because I heard stuff coming back to me. But even still, with all frustration in the society, you have to know that you don't need validation from the enemy. You don't need it. And you're not pleasing him by acting what he puts out there for you to live down to. You got to understand the game better than that. You're not here to be anybody's minstrel man for a few pennies, whether it's entertainment, sports, or just thinking that you're going to get a better position on a job because you made him laugh. He's laughing at you. You're going to get problems for being that one that's quiet, professional, courteous, yes. But not opening your mouth so much so that they can hear trash coming out of it. So they wonder. 
They see you outside, off the job when they see you at the market. They could be in their car in the Walmart parking lot and you're walking by and a woman with a juicy ass just walks past you. Now they're watching you to see if you turn around. And you're a man, I'm not going to be mad when you understand. I'm not against the female. <laughs> look, you go and look, but do it in a way that is not demeaning to what they expect of us, thinking that we're on just a lower level. Be slick about it. You know, look through the reflection of a mirror or something. Just, just, just don't be, don't exude that. You can say, I don't give a no white man. I look at what I want. That's my sister. Well, as long as you treat it with respect, I can't get in that argument. But we're being watched. And they have no more power over us. But if we act out the way they put out to the universe through the smartphone, the tablet, the television, and the computer, we're calling for our own doom because we are showing the world that our lives are not worth anything and we don't think it has any worth or value. Those niggas are killing each other off anyway. And you have these militias, and I'll tell you, I know for a fact when I worked in corrections in 33rd Street in Orlando, Orange County Corrections Department, there's a whole lot of them that live down in Polk County, live down in Kissimmee. And they're not into the materialism. A lot of them have land where they rent spaces for trailer parks. And they have lots of land. These guys are making money and they have their groups, their militias. They're white supremacist militias. They come to work. They don't mess with you. They deal with you enough to deal with you to get the job done. I won't mention names, but I remember their names. I remember where they live. One of them opened up to me. And many of us who think because we have a hot weapon in our pocket, that we can take on anything. But how many shots do you have? Six? Or like law enforcement, Glocks, 15? Maybe a little more, I don't know. I've been out that game for a while. These guys every weekend, twice on the weekend, and once during the week, these dudes train. And they're in law enforcement. And they teach others who are not. They get down with their weapons. They practice shooting. I got good in the academy hanging around some of these dudes who taught the stuff. I don't have the skills because I haven't been practicing, but I still think I'm pretty good. But these guys take this serious because they're waiting for something to jump off. They see our images broadcast all over the television and social media. And they think we're animals. Yes, I'm not exalting them because of what they do, but guess what? Them dudes there, you ain't disrespecting their wives. They stay to themselves. I'm talking about a particular breed of white people that live across the country. I'm not putting them above us. I'm telling you what is and what you need to know. And I'll tell you one thing more. They ain't never going to love you. But when they see that you have the attributes of decency, even those devils will nod their head to you. 
But a lot of them, now, mind you, I'm not talking about all white people because they, they jacked up more with the numbers. If we're only 14%, 13%, whatever it is, and there's more of them, they dominate, even though the most of us, a lot of us are in their incarceration. That's by design. But if you bring yourself home to your family to take time and spend time with your children, even if it didn't work out with the mother, but you're being a real man and you come into her. Maybe you weren't as developed as you are now, but you've come to your senses and she sees you're doing the right thing. Then maybe, just maybe, she might reconsider you, not just to come back between her legs, but to maybe build something. That is the biggest turn on to me to have a woman that I can build with, to have a woman that I can give my all. I'm talking theoretically because I do. What I'm saying is that I'm trying to put something on you to think about. You don't need every woman out there. If you like a certain, you know, let me tell you something about women, brothers. When you find a good one, the physical dimensions matter not. Man, I like me a girl with them big titties, man. It don't don't matter. It don't matter whether she got double D's or flat with just Tootsie Roll nipples. It don't matter. Because when you're at your saddest and she pulls your head to that bosom of hers, not titties, I'm talking about bosom, soul, love, and she holds you and you cry as a man and she doesn't lose respect for you because she knows you're righteously crying because your mama might have died. You're righteously crying because the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you need an escape. Let the toxic ones go to the titty bar and you put your head on your woman's bosom and let her hold hold you and talk to you because no matter what we're men we can also be her brother sometimes we can also exude the fatherly energy over our women not to be domineering and we're also sometimes a little boy we have different gears when a tree grows to its fullest but in its infancy had two branches. But now you count 57 branches on the tree. Can't you see those two that are there? So you're a grown man, big and strong. But you still have that little boy inside of you. Just like your woman, she is full of wisdom and developed but she still has that little girl inside of her. She's not a little girl, but she still has that one little branch on her tree. And you got to cater to that. You have to be gentle with that. You have to hold her back sometimes. I don't mean hold her back from doing something. I'm saying hold her back, like hold her back. Like she held you, held her back, hold her back. When you see that slight expression on her face, of maybe a memory of pain from her past. But if you're so caught up in your toxicity, the toxic black masculinity pandemic, 
you don't you won't see that she has a need at that point to be held. One day I saw Mr. Scurve sitting by the edge of the bed. I wasn't just watching her. I just happened to walk in the room and I caught an expression on her face that she quickly changed. It was very slight because you know, whether you know or not, the face has thousands of expressions that can convey non-verbally a feeling. And this is why children respond to the mother before they can talk. It's the expressions. This is what people know who are in media. That if you have a billboard with just letters on it, it won't get the same response as when you put a face to it with a certain expression. It'll get more attention because we never lose that thing. But I knew something was hurting her. Maybe not major. So I sat next to her. I said, sweetheart, lay back on the bed for a second. I want to tell you something. She didn't know what I was coming with. And I put my arm there before she can lay all the way back. And I pulled it to me and put her head on my chest, kissed her on the forehead. And I said, don't worry, it's going to be all right. And then she started crying a whole lot. But I caught that look. She could have pushed it down and held it in. But how many of us are sensitive to cater to our woman that way, the way they cater to us? And some of us act so unapproachable that we can't see the love that are, and I don't want to say women like women out in the street. And I just don't want to say sister because this is not incestuous, but you know what I mean. I'll just say woman, right? The one we're in the relationship with. Sometimes we block them out with this toxic stuff. They don't want that stuff out of us. That toxic shit is heavier to carry than just being a man. If you really want to know, that's a burden that you got a mean mug all day. That's a burden that you got to walk with a scowl on your face. That's a burden that you, you, you come in and you feel you have to rough her up because of the insecurity you have on the inside. Break it down. Have a talk. Open up. If she's your real woman, she's going to be there for you no matter what. And you ask her. Or you tell her at first, listen, sweetheart, I need help. I need help. This world has done a hell of a job on my psyche. And I can't live like this no more. It's too hard. I can't do this no more. I see more and more that you're around me. It seems like you're more and more distant. And I don't want to lose you. My children are looking at me like they're scared sometimes. I don't want that for them. Because that's going to affect their relationships when they get older. I need us to vibrate raw with each other. We don't need no condoms in this relationship. And I'm not talking about the physical one. I'm talking about the emotional condoms that we wear over our hearts because we scared of getting hurt. Yet we say we're in a committed relationship and you haven't even touched each other emotionally. To speak of your dreams, your aspirations, your righteous desires, and whether you admit it or not, your fears behind those closed doors while you lay naked. I'm not talking sex. 
Take off your clothes and lay naked with each other. Bear your soul. Hold each other. Lay back and you both look up at the ceiling as you talk and hold hands. Whatever it takes. Want to knock off some sex? Do that. But you're still going to sit there and talk. In your orgasmic afterglow, let it be an orgasm of the heart also. But the real relationships. How many of our brothers have real relationships where they can relate? I tell my friends all the time how much I love them. Kevin Clark, who you see his name coming, I tell him all the time, brother, I love you. I make a point of doing that. Because we can still give each other the energy that is not just super masculine. And I ain't talking about no homo thing. I've always been that way. He can tell you stories about me and him going back. I was very caring toward him when he went through things. That's not putting myself on the pedestal. But the give and take and the give and receive of those type of energies cement you together. When we see each other in the street as men, we should not see an enemy. We should see home. Hell, no matter where you are, whether it's Baltimore, New York, Atlanta, Orlando, Pine Hills, wherever, we're going through the same thing. Sometimes more because of our circumstances growing up, sometimes less. But nonetheless, there's a common thread through our experiences. And yes, we've had unique experiences. But we all know what that nigga wake up call feels like. And if for that and that alone, don't let it be a negative thing. Let it be something that drives us together. Let it be something that binds us together to be stronger. That gun you have in your pocket should not be to shoot your brother, but to protect your brother. If one of them boys in blue that are coming at you to harass you and do whatever, and you on a rooftop and they just, hey, oh well. Oh well. Do what you do. Malcolm X said it. If you have a funeral on the south side, let it be one on the north side. That's my word. But how many of us have that conviction? How many of us can show respect to our, our friends' family and not run down their sisters in an unrighteous way? This, this, this molestation and, and this pedophilia that's creeping in. This stuff has always been around. Granted, I understand. But it's in record numbers now because we're off the rails. We're driving down a two-lane road with no yellow line. And the road is narrow, so we think we own the whole road until something runs up on, on us and gives us a head-on collision. What happened to the structure? What happened to the rites of passion and passage? Both. When you take somebody to be your woman, and you take on these things that you have to do to be a man, but you can't take on the woman and not be a man. What happened to the elders or the olders? They're not the same, but we don't seem like we have any of them anymore because we're dying off too early. 
I remember seeing men from when I was single digit ages and going into the barbershop with my father to get my hair cut. And none of them looked their age. There's a dude, I'm saying it as a joke, right? There's a joke in there, 74 years old, man. He didn't look no more than 50, 52. Seriously, I'm looking at him like, but that's a sign. Look at some of our brothers now, severely overweight, dropping down from heart attacks, hypertension, diabetes, brain aneurysms, and all kind of different things. And if it's not that, the crime. And I'm not saying no black-on-black -black crime. I'm not going to make these white folks feel good about that because you kill where you live. You rob where you live. They doing it. I don't hear nothing about no white-on-white -white crime. And they're the majority of the population for a little while longer. They kill and steal where they live. So what happened? And we only 14% of the population. That's a whole lot of white-on-white -white crime. So why did they just say that about us? Because they want to make it seem like it's something exclusive. Let's not accept these things, these mantras that are just put out there just because it's in print. I mean, when I get that studio together in a couple months, I'm going to make it look like a news platform. I might fool around and put on a suit and tie. <laughs> and act like it's so serious. <laughs> that won't be for long. I got to be me. What I'm saying is that they create these illusions and we suck it right on up. You see what I mean? You're right. Mixed genre faves. They are overcome with the spirit of lust that's in their eyes. They walk around like this. That's part of the toxic black masculinity. They're already juiced up off the porn they watch. You ain't got nothing to do with it. You going about your day innocent, pure thoughts, meditating, eating your herbs and, and eating clean. Or you, know, you treat yourself to something every now and then, but you're living a good life. And here they come. Want to act like they're interested in you. And all they want to do is use you as a glorified friction provider. Don't even know you. Don't want to be bothered with you. They want the pleasure but as soon as the responsibility comes in the form of a baby, they gone. I'm not saying all black men, but those who are caught up with the lust, they ain't thinking. If you like that, man, get that jaw Vaseline and just jerk off. Don't bring no woman into no situation where you know that it's just that. You see what I mean? It's crazy. What we've become and this is a very long road ahead of us. And we could always back up off that decision to go left or right. But some of us, I'm going to say it, it's sad, but so many of us are so far gone already. For some of us, it ain't no coming back. It's triage, y'all. Let's deal with those who need it and can come back. They will tell you. I want to try. Okay, let's see. That's on you. And you can't accept everybody into your life just because they talk to the talk. You got some good talkers out here. I know how I used to working with the incarcerated boy. They come out and have a podcast. What? Guaranteed. 
You'll see some numbers on YouTube you never saw before. Yo, this dude got a live stream, man. They 50,000 people listen <laughs> every day. <laughs> Until they get shadow banned. But that's neither here nor there. This is a topic that I cannot cover in one segment. I was kind of all over the place. I want to go in under the banner of that. So I always have this title, Toxic Black Masculinity, and I'll put something behind it. But I just wanted to touch on it. And I want to thank you, Mixed Genre Faves, for suggesting some titles, some show topics. You all saw it in the comment section, and I'm always going to be receptive to that. And I want to go out in the streets and talk to people, but it's going to be a little different than if I was in America because they don't understand here the dynamics of, of life in America. So it would be pretty hard. And that's why I don't do as much that way. Because a lot of the guys here, it's a different culture. Not putting them down, but maybe I don't know as much about the culture here, even though we're all black people and black African people. It's just a different side of the world. So I do depend on a connection online, the comments, you know, the exchange, the fellowship, because it's helping me to grow. And it's hitting me even harder because in a sense, physically, I'm far away from America, but my heart is there with my people there too. As you can see every single day, I don't miss a beat. I didn't turn my back and make this the Ghana channel. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll show it and we'll talk about things and whatever have you. But I'm not into that gimmick. I want to show it and talk to people and stuff like that, but I'm still going to keep it where I need to be. And being over here has helped to righteously isolate me from feeling it on me as if I was there. But now I can observe it and look at it knowing what it's like. So it helps me to go deeper in my thought on it. Because like I say it all the time, the same way some guys come out of the penitentiary and say, man, I did 20 years there. I did 15 years there. Well, I did 57 and a half years in America spelled with three K's. And I came out wise because of it. Because I didn't step on any of the minefields that were set as traps to explode on me if I made the wrong step. Had some close calls, but it never got me. The drugs in America didn't get a chance to get into my veins. Oh, I had a big temper when I was younger, but I learned to curtail that and use that energy like a nuclear force for creativity and to do the things I need to do. That's why Master Glam always catches me up at night. Like, Lance, you're, you're, I see you online. You need to be asleep. I thought you were sleeping. That guy don't sleep. <laughs> I slept late today, though. <laughs> Got all my sleep, but I wish I had a little more because all the fatigue that is in me and saturated in me from America is still coming out of me. The toxicity is still coming out of me. Trust and believe. There was someone who texted me and I was speaking about that. I forgot your name, sister, but... Um, I know in your name, there was rules at the end. There was something, something rules, R-U-L-Z. We had a brief conversation. And I like that because I'm accessible. I love the connection. That's the way you're supposed to use social media. But social media is not too social and has helped to stir up more of this thing that they call toxic black masculinity because black masculinity on its own is not toxic. 
that the oppressor wants you to think is toxic and think it doesn't belong, but it, it, it's it, it's the master pin in the community that if you pull it out, everything's going to unravel. Just the same way if you take our sisters out, but see, in this world, there's a little more use for our sisters in the form of booty. And I've explained that before, and for those who didn't hear it, I'm going to say it again. And I'm going to pull it up again. I did a little YouTube video on that years ago. E-O-O-T-Y, and I'm going to put definition. And they tell you right there. I'm going to hit it again now. The first thing that's, uh, that's here on Google from Oxford Languages Dictionary, booty, valuable, stolen goods, especially those seized in war. Huh. Valuable stolen goods, especially those seized in war. So don't you know that every time you say that you're going to get some booty tonight, you're admitting that you're defeated in this war. Because for you to call your, to call your sister valuable stolen goods, she's supposed to be there for you. So if she's stolen, she's not yours no more. She's taken because it was seized in war. You, you dead meat by that point. They love you. To, they love for you to, say, to hear you say that. Man, I got to get me some booty tonight. Now, I know most don't mean anything by it. But isn't it something that we don't even know what that means? And the other example, which is milder, something gained or won. The company has still got warehousefuls of money in the bank, thanks to the booty from earlier capital raising exercises. Uh, booty. Valuable stolen goods, especially those seized in war. But you think you're not in a war because there's no tanks and planes and bombs? Nothing shooting at you? You indulging. But see, why is it so easy to pimp our sisters out and bring them to a white man who wants to pay money for her? See, a lot of you talk righteous, but when that money's waived, you know how to go in there and say, yeah, we got this guy right here. He's going to give you some money. And in the movies, in the entertainment, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to draw that picture. But them dudes that don't like Kanye West too much, they put us up there kissing each other, doing homo business with each other, wearing dresses, I'm going to get their asses. They're going to try me. <laughs> I got to be well off the grid when I do that. They don't do theirs like that, but we so quick to do ours like that. Expose their beauty that is meant for the man, that one man. They ain't supposed to be seeing that. And we proud doing it. Saying that our women have been seized in war because we are, are a defeated people. You admitting that, and they love that. You go to a Jewish function, 
and roll up in there and say, man, y'all got a lot of booty up in here, man. I need to get some of that. That one over there, man. Shoo, man. She got a big donk on her. You could be bigger and stronger than most of them, but they're going to get your ass up and out of there. See? So we're screwed up beyond measure, and we got to start somewhere. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen with just one powwow session of discussing things. For those who want to be saved, and I'm not trying to talk like some pastor, but for those who want to be saved, you're going to have to take a long, hard look, look on the inside. Look at your lives. Ask yourself, why am I the way I am? And that's the first place to go when you heal. Start asking questions of yourself. See yourself in a larger light. See how minuscule the world that you grew up with it was to you, but you didn't know that. That was your whole world. It affected your thinking. That you got to sell drugs on this one block, half a block down from where you live. And all the technological advances that so-called law enforcement has. You wondering why you busted. They let you go on a little bit to see who you getting your stuff from and from where they getting their stuff from. Recidivism. I've seen guys leave jail on Friday and come back Monday. I've seen it. I've seen it time and time again. Man, you back here? To the point where the cell that they were in, that, that, that spot was still open. Let's just put you back in the same cell, man. Dude's locked up like, yo, did you at least get some, 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 <laughs> excuse me for saying it, booty? So all of y'all are defeated. Look at that. I remember one guy got out on a Friday night and they called a bunch of us to work the doors at the club. So we went right after work. You know, we had our little black security thing and the boots and everything and the earpiece and everything. We go up in there, we see that same guy dancing, jumping up on some girls' asses and drinking. It's time for us to go in the, cl the club to close up. So, you know, at the end of the time, they hand you that little roll of money. You happy. And now you're out of there. And by the time you get home, you get a call. Yo, man. It's a shootout in the parking lot of the club. For real? Man, I'm glad I'm out of there. Because that happened a lot. I didn't even want to park my car in the club parking lot. I'd rather run out of there and go somewhere else. Because to be in your car for shootouts going on, that's a dumb place to be. You're going to run out of there anyway and go back later. There was one time such a vicious shootout that we all had to lay down between the cars on the ground. I pushed my skull so hard to the sidewalk, man, I flattened myself up. When I got up, I thought I was Gumby. Flat. <laughs> but you know what? The shootout was with that guy who got out that Friday night, went to the club, party a little bit. He didn't even wait till Monday to go back. He went back Saturday, the next day. That night, he was only out for a few hours. I've seen this with my own two eyes.
And it's a badge of honor when a lot of them come back. Many don't understand. Yo, my nigga, I'm back, man. What up? Uh, oh, you know they can't hold a nigga down. You know what I'm saying? I've been jailing all my life, man. This shit don't bother me. I could channel a lot of energies. One day I'm going to do a show, and all I'm going to do is bring you conversations. Ten different voices, ten different people, and we go, you're going to feel like you're there. We're going to go back to the old days of radio. <laughs> and I'm going to have a real conversation with a bunch of people as if we're locked up. I got to real, be real zoned out for that one. See? But those realities are real. And there's a lot of realities that we see from the outside that we don't really know what it's like on the inside. Not just the inside of a jail, but just the inside of these people's lives. From all the jobs that I dealt with with the public and overhearing stuff and being nosy and finding myself all over New York City up in every establishment I wasn't supposed to be in just to see what was going on. Freaky stuff, crazy stuff. Human nature is so fascinating to me. And I've been a good student, except I don't have a certificate or a degree for it. But you know, when I open my mouth, I've seen some things, not to say I know more than anybody else. No, we've all had experiences, but mine are saturated to the bone. And if that's my role here, to just speak about these things, to enlighten people, I've spoken to many brothers out in the street. Whether they get out of jail, or they're in jail, or in prison, or riding the bus, lost, and we talk, I can do a hundred thousand YouTube videos that will not compare to the real conversations in those situations, seeing situations, and absorbing it. I can't get it out of my head. And I wish I can talk to some brothers, and sometimes I want to set up on the conference line, maybe, you can hold up to 100 people and have a talk with some of the brothers and, and have some of the sisters here talk with some of the sisters and use it for that. And they can come on anonymously and talk about things that they need to talk about and we'll answer to the best of our ability, collectively, not just me, but whoever else wants to come on to help dealing with the real situations that we have to go through, not this modern-day churchified celebrity pastor worship-type stuff where they just tell you a few things to feel good enough for six days until it wears off and you find yourself back there on a Sunday with your money. We got real situations out here, and that's where my heart is. And I've experienced enough that I would love to help. No matter what it is, I'd love to help. And even if it's just through talking and coming to some resolution or some solution where somebody walks away feeling like, wow. Because when I see a lot of brothers out here, nobody really took the time to talk to a lot of them and really bond. They've had to find their own way. And they easily fall into being or appearing what many people will say our toxic black masculinity. And I'm going to set some things up 
I'm not going to say in the next few weeks, maybe this week, maybe this week, and just put it out there for two weeks ahead of time that we're looking for people to come on and talk in different ways. Sisters, tell me when you're ready to do it. We set a date and we do it for the sisters. Sometimes we do it in a, in a, in a collective way where we speak about the proper way to have a relationship and that it's okay to be vulnerable because I couldn't be so strong if I couldn't be vulnerable. That's why fighters can fight the best fight. But guess what? There's that one minute between each round where they have to rest and let their corner deal with them and give them the instructions. You see what I mean? And because there are a lot of households out here where the parents or the parent had to work so much, there's a void. It's not supposed to be this way. Some have done done excellent jobs under the circumstances. But there should be a household where either it's an aunt or a grandmother, mother, somebody always there while the men did their work. And when they come home, they deal with the children with the masculine energy. That's not toxic. Examples. My father didn't always have to tell me what to do. I would look and see what he was doing. I saw him come home from jobs, you know, because he had his own business. Late at night sometime, tired, but he didn't want to go the next day. So he finished off the extra three hours to finish off that job so he can be home with his family. So is it any wonder that I can stay up late? It's magical to me. I remember him coming in late. Sometimes he'd bring two pizzas or whatever. We always had food, but he would bring something. And I'd jump up, Daddy! Could be 3.30 in the morning. I got to get him to go to school, but I still jumped up and greeted my father because he was my hero. And although him and my mother may have had an occasional disagreement on something that was perfectly logical, there was never any reason for cops to come up for them to scream out the windows for me to be embarrassed. You'd hear it a little bit and was shut down. The only thing in my life is my brother being on drugs and being away. But that motivated me to what to be something not that. I remember when I started lifting weights and my father told me, he said, listen, no matter what, Lance, do not ever use steroids. Because he knew what that was all about. He was older and he wasn't in that kind of shape, you know. I mean, when he conceived me in 1962, he was 46 years old. So go figure. So when I was 20, he was 66. <laughs> and he passed away at 74. When I was 27. But just to see him when I was younger and he was still, you know, when, when, when he was younger on the timeline, which was still older, seeing the muscles he had, he was short, built like Mike Tyson, tattoos on his arm from the British Navy. He didn't take shit from anybody, but he respect everybody and give you the last shirt off his back. That I saw him do this. Navigating the world on his own with his own wits to make his own money in his own business and dealing with all kind of people, all kind of people. And I was right there watching. 
There's no school to go to to teach me what I know. I didn't know what I had. But it was because of them, my parents. And I could have ended up like some of the other brothers out there, but I didn't. And I knew I was learning a lesson for a lifetime. And I've made bad decisions and I broke a heart or two. But that's life and that's the growing pains teaches things. But it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing at the end of the day because it's what makes you. But we should be able to have something that we know from our experiences to pass on to those around us. There are a lot of toxic people around us. Some are behind the toxicity and want to come out. Some don't want to come out. Some want to rub it all over you. Don't be too nice now where you allow people to come and mess up your life. You got to make sure that when you talk to somebody to help them, that you, that there's a, it resonates in your spirit. Because the very person you're trying to help from drowning is the one that can pull you in and drown you and climb out alive. See? So anyway, I'm going to wrap this down. I'm going to keep on these subjects. I like these type of subjects. Even though there's some people who say we got to be about the revolution. This is the revolution. Revolution means change. So how are we going to be ready for a war? When we don't get our soldiers and our troops right. And that's male and female. If we can't work along with each other properly the way we're supposed to, to have heaven on earth, I don't care how much of a war is around us. Once we lock down and get on in and get back to the base, it's heaven on earth. And that's what keeps us strong. That's what keeps us motivated. That's what keeps us young in the face of adversity. That magic thing that we have that's a gift and it's for everybody, but we take ourselves out of it because we're too toxic, some of us. And we got to let certain things go. Certain things we think we need, we don't need. Let it go. We're made to have a simple life. I don't mean simple like stupid, but uncluttered. Uncluttered. You ever go to a nice hotel room and everything is just laid out so nice? You're like, wow. First thing you do is jump on the bed to mess it up a little bit. Because everything's in order. When your mind is in order, when your mission is in order, when you know the attributes that you want to hone to get better from within, to be a better person for your family and the community and, and your children, and you shine and people are glad to see you and they smile when they see you. See, let's be that. Why are we trying to be the villain? Because see, the big villain wants us to act like the villain and they'll push us out on their networks and make us look like the, the big crooks with the one little gun we have and you have nations, United States giving Ukraine more weaponry. Looking over places in Africa to rip off the resources. They're the real criminals. 
They're the real toxic people. They ain't black. But toxic and black masculinity should not be in the same sentence. Black masculinity, proper black masculinity, the world will be in order. And we're no better than you, sister, but we have a role that we have not been holding up. And that's why everything has been unraveling. And they set us up with this imagery. See, I had my father. I didn't have to see nobody on TV wearing a dress as a man. No way. My father would straighten me out in the heartbeat if he saw something in me like that. Because I had an example of that. It was so funny. I would see my father's arms and his arm roll up his sleeve and he's working and I see the muscles in his arms. I'm six, seven years old on him on a job thinking I'm working just as hard, but he gave me a little task to do and he still paid me because he wanted to show me that when you make an effort and when you put your best effort, you'll get paid for it. And he would correct me like, listen, this is not done right. You got to go back and do it. But when I see him lift those heavy machines and bring it to the van and it's all pumped up and he's walking. Well, guess who was a little boy, six and seven years old, next to him, walking like he had muscles. <laughs> so I had no choice to eventually look like that because that was my example. But it wasn't just a look. It was certain things as a man I'm not going to tolerate in my presence because he wouldn't. I can tell you so many stories about him and I will. But that was my marker. That was my goal. That was my mark. That was what I shot for. That was normalcy for me. I remember one time I said, Daddy, why don't you put on those nice suits that you have? You don't wear them enough. Mommy's always going to rehearsals and concerts. And you go and you dress up. But And he told me, he said, listen, a lot of men out here, and this is back in the 70s. I was young when he said this. I'm maybe like 11, 12 years old. He says, a lot of men out here have no problem with them dressing up. But a lot of them want to outshine their wives. He says, I feel that it's the mark of a great man who can allow his wife to shine, even if he's dressed a little more conservative, because that's more of a reflection on him. It shows what kind of man she has, if she can look real good. And back then, looking good didn't mean you were half naked, but classy. And you're the man. And this is your woman, and you have her looking like this and carrying herself like this. That's a reflection on you. Just like when you see them kids in public, and I've said this before, and you might not see the parents right away because you see the kids in the supermarket. It's a fairly safe place, and you have one that may be a little older. You know, there's three or four other ones that are younger, but they're all well-mannered. Please, thank you, excuse me, I'm sorry, you know. And you say, wow, I know the mother or father or both around here somewhere, but those are some well-mannered children. They're a reflection of the parents. So what are these young men reflecting? 
See, where did they get this from? They didn't come into this world like this. You see what I mean? And anybody, yes, who wants to come in and, and share a word or whatever, you know, you're always welcome. Always welcome. But yeah, it, it's amazing. It, it's simple logic, but our minds are so blurred. So much is thrown at us that is not useful for us. As young men, we need to be shielded from certain things, but certain things, the wrong things are put there. Then we have the emotional development. Many of our households are not too right. And either we're embarrassed about it or we gravitate toward that hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, you're right. May as well be. But they want you to know that he's a male. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they got him on. They, you know, <laughs> they character, they do dress him. But they want you to know that. And, and that's an option now. That's put up as an option. Because he's made to be admired, looked up to, the voice of truth and straightening things out with a little comedy. It's Big Mama warped and twisted. See, Big Mama was a good thing. But it took one of the foundational images in our community, twisted it around. So we can aspire to be that. Ain't that something? That's an option on the menu now. But we're the strong black men. Black love, black unity, black empowerment and black ascension. You won't find it too much. Hell, you come on YouTube with that talk, you'll be shadow banned too. If you are a black woman, you better have a white man on that commercial. If you're a black man, you better have a white woman on that commercial, that TV commercial. They're conditioning our minds. They may flash a black couple real quick and they won't be next to each other. <laughs> you can't even be a homo and have a, have a black person with you. That should not be put out there. But if you're a black man homo, you're going to have a white man next to you. They're going to put every other combination other than us. Because that subconsciously programs us. We are programmed as black men to see our sisters as objects of pleasure. Can't look you in the eyes and look at you everywhere else on your body. And you know what they're thinking. You can look somebody in their eyes and really see where they're coming from. And there are a lot of women out here, unfortunately, that put themselves out there to be playthings. And oftentimes it's because of things that have happened to them. I understand. Oh, you men, that's all you want. Okay, I'm going to put myself out there like that. But you know what? You're going to pay. That's unfortunate. That's one of the byproducts of our toxic black masculinity. But men don't want to hear that. Or these males don't want to hear that. Man, you a simp. You can't let these hoes take over your life. So, no, I'm not married to these hoes. And yes, hate to say it. I can go on with the queen talking all that stuff. Yes, when you ascend. 
But a lot of our sisters out here are straight hoes, just like the men are. So you deserve each other because you don't want to pull yourself up out of that. And it's reinforced every day, the music and the ass shaking and all. Come on, man. I love ass. I love the female form. I love a woman's legs, legs, the, the waistline, the, the breast. Even if you're a little heavy in the middle, you're a woman. I love the neckline. I love that little part by the hairline where you, and you smell the pheromones. I told y'all that before. I'm an artist. It ain't about bending some woman over and whatever. No. It's everything about you when you're right. Just to sit there and look at you. Not in lust. Because that's, that's, that passes so quick. It does. When you're with a woman righteously, Right. Okay. Let's say you both agree to become intimate. When you really know you have a catch as a man. You might be doing your calisthenics in the bedroom or the alleyway next door or whatever place you want to go if you're adventurous. But before you have that orgasm as a man, I'm telling you the truth. You thinking about ways for you to be with this woman. And not because of that physical thing. Because when you're doing the physical thing, all of the attributes come out when you know this person. She's not a stranger. You, you, dipped in, you dipped your wick in the wax a little too early. You didn't wait for marriage. Okay, but you made a commitment. But wow, this woman is phenomenal. I can talk with her. I can vibe with her. She's so intelligent. She's so warm. She's so loyal. She just, I want her for myself. I love this woman. I can really see myself being with this woman. And that's not your dick talking. But when you do go there and you have these real attributes going and you appreciate them, you ain't trying to go nowhere. But when it's just lust, you're looking for a way to go before you come. And that's a fact. You know you ain't attracted to her. You know you're just using her for the... You, she may not have too much attributes inside to celebrate. And you stroking away. And you feel that semen coming up in your penis like a crazy straw. And you think of the ways to get the hell on up out of there because that's all it is. I'm telling you. That's what it is. You know... I don't care how bad the chick look. If she doesn't have those attributes, those qualities, that fizzles quick. Like that glass of Coca-Cola that you forgot about last hour and it's flat. Ain't nothing to it. Now you're on to the next one. Not knowing that that's not really what you need. You ain't never going to see the best looking ass cheeks in the world, y'all. Forget it. Like I said, you're going to be, you'll be buried in the ground. If you can see through the ground, you'll look up and say, oh my God, look at that. But that's if you're on that level. 
see, to come up out of that is the victory. You can say, well, you know, I sold little oats when I was young and I had my time, but yes, I can see, but I'm okay. I have someone who has those attributes. And when you get older, and the physical may look a little different. As we do age, the attributes that she has keeps her looking good to you. Keeps her looking just as good as the day when you first met. And you have to be able to earn that. You have to be a man who has those qualities to keep a woman like that. So this thing that I explained as toxic black masculinity may not be the same thing that the media puts out and that many of the uh, feminazis speak on. But that's just me. If anybody wants to come on in, let me know. I'm going to sign off. And like I said, you know, I thought I might not make it tonight because of the power situation. And, and, and really, realistically, another three months we'll be out of here. So that won't be an issue. I can jam every day all night long. Not all night long, but, you know, a little more. So we're working toward that. And so I just really appreciate all of you. And um, I'm zoned when I'm talking like this, so I didn't really get a chance to look into the chat room, but you know I love you all. And um, let's set something up like that. Let, let, let's try to maybe make some kind of online forum where we can reach out to people beyond those who just watch the show. Maybe somebody who watches the show knows somebody who may want to talk, or but they have to be willing to talk a little bit. They don't have to tell their business. They don't, we don't have to know who they are all the way. But to be real and we can kind of collectively help them and not make them feel bad, whether it's a male or a female. I know the sisters are better with the sisters and the males are better with the males, but we can have a mixed thing also. And any topics that you want to talk about, mixed genre faves, she, she, she took charge and said, hey, I copied and pasted all of them. <laughs> so I have them in my computer. I may not do it in, in, in succession where the next day is the next one, but they're there. They're all going to get knocked off. And I'll come back to them, but just help to guide me. So whatever you see that is needed, I need your eyes and your ears and your gift of discernment to know what to talk about. I mean, I'll talk about the stories that happen in the news and rant on them and do all that stuff like that, the fun stuff, but. The real stuff that somebody who right now is curled up in their bed, they may feel they don't have any friends or they want to make a change in their life and they're listening and like, damn, I'm digging the words that he said. I'm, I'm digging the chat room. I'm, wow. That's, that's what I want to reach, where it's effective. Because this is not a performance. This is not something that, or you get up and do, and let's see how much hits. I don't care if it's five hits right now. I did a lot already online. I'm, 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 I'm collecting an online emotional pension, <laughs> even though I make no big money. <laughs> but I'm going to flash the con contact information below, and if you know anybody, you want to refer them over to me, or you want to talk to them, take charge. This is your show, too. Hey, Lance, 
got this person here, whatever. I want to do so-and-so and so-and-so. Is that day good for you? Nine times out of ten is good. Right? So I challenge everybody on that. Let's make this something special. Not just a channel where you have followers and one person talking and it's just some fabricated personality. And nah, I don't want that. I'm as real as they come. I'm accessible. I ain't perfect, but, you know, I'm there. And I'm a servant for my people. And a protector, as you found out the other night. <laughs> but anyway, I want to thank you. I see you there, Gifty. Mixed genre phase, Master Glam, everybody there, Yapo, everybody. So I'm glad I did my, my thing tonight, as I will every night. I was so scared. The lights went out late. I'm like, oh, man. And I was feeling it just again. So there will be times where the factors add up because I made that post. I said, man, the power's out and the batteries are low. So I'll start setting up my shows from early so I can do it through the phone if that happens. But like I said, we'll be moving into the home in a few months and that'll be taken care of. Matter of fact, the electrician is going to finish up the work that he's doing tomorrow. And I want this TV in my studio in a certain little corner, and I got to go up there <laughs> to make sure he's getting it done because we bought some extra wire. So it's always something, y'all. It's always something. And things were delayed because she went out for nine months to the States after her father's funeral and stayed with her family for a little while. So that's, that's what it was. Real life stuff. I'm not stressing it. I made up my mind. I told her the other day, Mrs. Kerr, I said, listen, nothing's going to worry me. Nothing's going to bother me. I want to enjoy every moment, even when some of those moments are in the struggle. Because I have a close friend of mine who said, you know, and he's well accomplished. Won't say his name, but he comes through the show sometime. And he said, the sweetest times that me and my wife had were when we were struggling and really had to be together to ascend. And we don't want to, you know, throw away what we have now. And it's not about material goods, but they have a sense of accomplishment. But when looking back, that initial momentum moving forward, it's a beautiful thing. And you can say, remember back when, right? And a lot of these brothers need to know that. But if the back, if the back when was when they were acting as thugs and killing each other off and getting locked up, they didn't have a chance to set that foundation. Because the fact of the matter is that this artificial thing called time doesn't wait on anybody. So we got to do the right thing and show them a different way. Show them how sweet that kind of life can be. Take their minds out of the environment that they're in. Fill the voids that were left from a father that wasn't around or the emotionally disconnected mother. You know? And a lot of our sisters go through that. Mothers that are emotionally disconnected and resentful because of their beauty or their chance at life where they feel theirs as the mother was exhausted. There's a lot of things we got to talk about, y'all, for real. <laughs> I don't care what these little battle rappers are doing or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not going to say I don't care if it's keeping out of trouble, but we got things to talk about and put out into the universe so that years from now, some of the shows, these shows five years from now will be the old shows and there'll be something that people listen to. So we got to seed the garden with good seeds and keep good fertilizer so we have something grow out of it nice. 
that people can eat from the fruit that bear from that garden forevermore. Mrs. Curve doesn't see all that she does. She was up there today, didn't come until late. We're going up there early tomorrow. And I told her, I said, listen, because she said, listen, you, you know, you got to do your show. So stay up. When that power comes back on, you got to do your show. I said, I'm with that. I said, I was just preparing just in case it didn't come back on. So I was sitting next to her. Bing! It came right on. She said, okay, have a good night. I'll see you in the morning. I said, but I might sleep a little late. I might come up there maybe two or three hours after you. But I did have to go tell them my business, all right? We had to pay the electrician the last bit of money that, you know, he required to get all the work done. So we have an ATM desert around this area. And so while the lights were out, I had to, and it wasn't out like everywhere. It was just like within a few blocks. So I had to get up and go in the van and go to the ATM. And it's funny because there's like, once you get into that area where they start having eight, there's one closer, but it's still far. And then there's another one in the Medina, Mar- Medina market that's a little further. So I take a chance and go to the close one and get off the van. And the vans don't run as frequent, but they're still there. So if that ATM didn't work, I would have to get back on another van and go down even further. So I was crossing my fingers when I got to that ATM to get that cash for them. See? And it worked. <laughs> Sometimes it's out of service. I'm like, oh, man, I got to go all the way down there. So I got it, hopped back on the van again, got up here in a few minutes, put the money down like, okay, here's Mr. Scurve. That's a good feeling. That's a good feeling. You know, that, that, that your woman knows that you give your all, not just money, because you have guys that give money and make a lot of money and they nail in five other chicks. Not to call them chicks, but in that situation, I'll call it that. Right? So that's the thing. Giving you all and they know in your heart. There's some people, oh, she up there, she in the garden. That's her thing. I got to keep this platform going. So sometimes I put extra hours in and it doesn't look like I'm putting in. But she knows my heart and she knows what I'm all about and what I'm doing. And she gets everything. And even still, she sacrifices because I give everything on certain levels to those who are here out of love. This keeps me alive and I'm that kind of guy. I got that New York City energy. I got to talk. I got to vibe. I got to connect. She knows that. So she has no problem with that. You never heard in the background. You doing another show again? Damn. How'd you come to bed? She's been on shows like, you know, I go to bed early. Lance, you going to do your show. I'm going to sleep. Because <laughs> she can come out of the sleep to go to the bathroom and hear me and know where I am. She knows where I am. Even if I say to her, listen, I've been in front of the computer for eight hours straight and I did a two hour show and I got to take a walk, but it's 3.39 in the morning. She's not going to question me. Because I need need to move my legs. It's safe around here. Matter of fact, that's just what I want to do when I get off the show. Even though I'm tired, I'm going to take a little 20 minute walk right around the block and come back. You see what I mean? That's the deal. And that's what we have to show through example and by example to brothers like this. The real deal. See? Anyway, y'all, thank you all for being here. Vibing again. 
I said, I'm going to put a good hour in. Two hours and 10 minutes is always like that. <laughs> if I can stay in the day break, I'll do that. But regardless, I'm still going to have to break my sleep. If I don't go up first with it, I'm still going to have to bring these, these uh, heavy PVCs down to the van. So I'll be up in two hours, three hours, two and a half. So I'll lay down on my head a little bit. I ain't going to hit no REM sleep till later. And I still got to go up. But anyway, I love you all. Just want to thank you all for being here. It's such a pleasure. I don't have no midlife crisis. I'm 60 years old and I'm like, midlife crisis, what? I don't have no time for a midlife crisis. I'm too busy here. And it's not busy. It's just having fun. This is my party. Midlife crisis can't catch up with me. It's like, James, girl, I've been trying to get you. You keep doing these shows and you run these walking talks. And then Mr. Skirvin, yeah. Oh, damn. I feel like that midlife crisis feels like that dude that was running for the bus and gave it because the bus kept going. <laughs> That's what it is. But listen, I'm going to cut out. I'm going to leave you all temporarily for a few hours until we come back. And when I went to the store earlier, me and Mr. Skirvin, I think I recorded like a five-minute video on the small GoPro. So I made and upload that tomorrow. I'm going to do a lot of those little impromptu things like out of nowhere. It, it, they make sense, but they don't make sense. Just a hangout type thing. But you all have a good rest. Thank you so much for being here. Like and share, subscribe and all that good stuff. That's support to me. Thank you all who put the work in. And I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to mess around the computer. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> Thank you all. I will talk to you tomorrow. Much love. Much love. Always much love. Thank you. Thank you so much. Here comes a big truck. Yeah. She wanna know me. I stay low key, I'll cast no breaks. Baby, let them hold sleep. Body on ten, make your girl OD. I get in my way, never out of my lane. Feel like you the one in the more one. So what is gonna be? Baby squad up, we finna go deep. Riding on a team, got what you need. Baby, won't you keep me company?
my eyes agree It's almost like when we first met Oh, I don't care, it's getting too late I want you and I can't wait Don't wanna spend a minute without you I know you feel the same So come on, give me love I'ma show you how to move, how to move with my body Come hit me with your touch And make me wanna say And yeah, you know what's up Ain't nothing I won't do, I won't do for your body So give me all you got right now I know I'm yours, baby So come give me love You know you're mine, baby So come give me love I never felt nothing quite like this I get a high every time we kiss Can't get enough, baby So come give me When I'm with you, my legs go weak, yeah. Can you hear it? I think my heart just skipped a beat, yeah. This feeling is getting so strong Love me till the morning, love me all night long There's something special about you You're the one that I want So come on, give me love I'ma show you how to move, how to move with my body Come hit me with your touch And make me wanna say
Let 
Just check your WhatsApp. I want you to send us a mixed genre, Riri and Oyala. I know I can send it to Oyala, but I sent Knock Yourself Out. That's better than the playlist. I'm going to play the song one more time, but make sure they get it. Knock Yourself Out. Check it all out. When you see it, you'll know what it is. And you can download and save as much as you want and pick some good ones that you might want me to play. All right? So you got it all right there. The passcodes and everything thousands and thousands to choose from so you all have a good night and make sure you get that because you won't sleep when you get that so i'm gonna play this one more time good night take it away take it away feeling too good to me Chilling all day, all in your space is where I wanna be. Here in this room, what did you do? I just can't get enough. Too caught up in your love. I've been trying to forget, but you won't let me. Something in my brain wants you. I've been hanging by myself, asking for help, but nothing seems to work on you. Yeah, you, you always make me feel like, oh yeah, you, you never leave my thoughts alone, yeah, you, you're the reason I'm going out of my mind, I just can't stop thinking about you. When you're away, nights are sleepless Do we need space? Yeah, maybe you're brave Boy, you're my weakness Give and we take the love that we make It's my favorite drug Too caught up in your love I've been trying to forget But you won't let me Something in my brain holds you I've been hanging by myself Help, but nothing seems to work on you. Yeah, you always make me feel like, oh, yeah, you, you never leave my thoughts alone. Yeah, you, you're the reason I'm going out of 
just get that.